the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's an honor. Today is Thursday, October the 6th, 2022, in the year of our Lord. On October 6th, 1973, war erupted in the Middle East. Egypt and Syria launched a surprise attack on Israel. They did so during the Yom Kippur holiday. Today in 1536, English theologian, scholar, William Tyndale, he was the first to translate the Bible into early modern English. He was executed for heresy. Today in 1927, the era of talking pictures, movie pictures, arrived with the opening of The Jazz Singer, starring Al Jolson. It was a feature containing both silent and sound-synchronized sequences. People thought it was great. Now, not so much. Today in 1939, in a speech to the Reichstag, German Chancellor Adolf Hitler spoke of his plans to reorder the ethnic layout of Europe. It was in this speech that he said a statement that would be quoted probably a million times. He laid out his plan that would, quote, entail settling the Jewish problem. Today, in 1976, President Gerald Ford, in his second presidential debate with Democrat Jimmy Carter, he declared that there was no Soviet domination of Eastern Europe. That did not go over well, because all of that statement was false, and most everybody in the world knew it, except Jerry Ford, I guess. Today, in 1981, Egyptian President Anwar Sadat was reviewing his a uh, military parade. He was shot to death by extremists. Today in 2010, the social networking app Instagram was launched. Today in 2014, the Supreme Court unexpectedly, at least by many of us, it cleared the way for a dramatic expansion of gay marriage in the United States. It rejected appeals from five states seeking to preserve their bans and effectively made so-called same-sex marriages legal in 30 states. Today in 2018, the narrowest Senate confirmation of a Supreme Court justice in nearly 150 years, Brett Kavanaugh was confirmed by a 50 to 48 vote. He was sworn in hours later. The first duty of man, Marcus Tullius Cicero, the famous historian, Roman senator, who was murdered for his views. Marcus Tullius Cicero said, The first duty of man is the seeking after and the investigation of truth. Cicero is the guy who talked about, who wrote about, the enemy within is to be feared more than the enemy without. He's That's Cicero. He said a lot of things that were true. He invoke people to think. He tried to get his country to pay attention to truth. They didn't. And, of course, Rome went down in flames, as we know, eventually, the Roman Empire and the city of Rome. 
But speaking of truth, truth is hard to get to. I mean, there's so many barriers that are put around truth in a self-serving way by different people and different groups and so on. In 3 John chapter 1, verse 4, the Bible says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. In John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32, the Bible says, Then Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. I want to talk a little bit about truth today. The truth is that Jesus Christ himself, the Son of God, the only begotten Son of God, is indeed the truth personified. He is the truth. The Word of God is the truth. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So to know Jesus is to know the truth. And we know Jesus in a personal relationship by following the biblical narrative that tells us to believe that he is indeed the Son of God, whom he claimed to be, believe that he died for our sins and that he was resurrected. And we confess that with our mouth, with our mouth and we believe it in our heart. That is that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And when we come to that point in life and we know him, in that way, in a relationship, the truth lives within us, and the truth is God's Word. So we follow God's Word in our lives, and that is why we always refer to the Bible. When we're talking about life, we're talking about issues in life. And every day on this program, it is my sincere commitment to try to look at what's happening in our world through the lens of God's Word the Bible. Oh, I know that's not popular in many parts of our culture today. It's laughed at and scoffed by some, but the Bible will stand when the scoffers are gone. But the Bible sheds light on so much of what's going on in our culture today. But we must always look, not through the lens of a Republican or an Independent or a Democrat or whatever, a religious left Please don't go there if you haven't already, and if you have, rethink that. But we must look at the reality of the world we live in through God's truth. Otherwise, it can break our human spirit, our emotions. People today are anxiety-ridden because they have no hope, really, outside of just the next election. But there is a greater hope. His name is Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God. I want to talk to you a little bit about truth today. We have a hard time getting to it in the culture, that's for sure, because there's so many barriers put up around it, so many shades of truth and untruth and so on. It's nuanced. There's no question about that. But we can know the truth in Jesus, and we can know the truth in our daily lives as well. Just one day after the New York Times attempted to downplay the suspicions around the election software company. It's called Connect, K-O-N-N-E-C-H. The company's CEO, Eugene Yu, Chinese guy, he's a citizen here. He, be- he became uh, naturalized and became a citizen. But he, has take- he was taken into custody 
under suspicion of sending data on American poll workers to communist China. Could it be that after throwing the so-called election deniers under the bus blocking concerns regarding the integrity of the 2020 election from both the news and social media and publicly shaming them for even thinking such thoughts? And they have. If you've ever had a second thought about the election, was the last presidential election, was it honest? I mean, was it done in integrity? You're out. You're an outlier. You're marginalized. You're shunned. You're mocked. You're made fun of. I mean, look at how they've brought down that pillow guy. I can't remember his name now, but mypillow.com. I mean, he took an extreme stance and he said the the election, the last election was rigged. And they they've taken him down. I mean, he's almost bankrupt. He was worth hundreds of millions of dollars from what I've read. Everybody that questioned, whether it was Rudy Giuliani or a whole host of lawyers or whatever, everybody that questioned the last election, presidential election, has been attacked and taken down in some form, including Trump himself. I mean, look at the assault on this guy. Never seen anything like it or read about it in history, in recent history. So could it be? that maybe there were some legitimate integrity concerns in the last election and in our election system, electronically as well as physically in the human aspect of it. I want to talk to you a little bit about this. What the New York Times called their headline said, how a tiny elections company became a conspiracy theory target. That's what they said on October 3rd, just three days ago. The next day, they changed their tune. President Joe Biden, I'll come back to that in a moment. President Joe Biden used part of his remarks in Florida yesterday to blame Hurricane Ian, that Category 4 storm that ripped through Florida, particularly Fort Myer. And he was in the Fort Myer area, by the way. He said that that was human-caused climate change, despite the pushback from experts. So we want you to know that climate change created that hurricane, and it doesn't matter what the scientists in my own administration are saying. That's what happened yesterday in front of the cameras. Nobody questioned that much. A few did. He said, we're in a situation where the Colorado River looks more like a stream. It does. He said, there's a lot going on, and I think the one thing this has finally ended is a discussion about whether or not there's climate change. And we should do something about it. Barack Obama said the same thing. He said this should end the conversation about climate change, and we should move on and essentially spend trillions of dollars in the pockets of cronies creating, you know, plates to put on our roofs to create electricity that ultimately doesn't work or whatever. But when he was in visiting Fort Myers, he was standing beside Governor Ron DeSantis, who is not a an ally of the president for sure, Senators Marco Rubio of Florida and Rick Scott, uh, all cons- very conservative, they were looking at the damage, and there it's plentiful, as you've seen in the pictures. But as the storm struck Friday, those several Democrats, left-wing commentators, media outlets, they were claiming, as that storm was roaring across Florida, and I watched this very carefully, 
They were claiming that this is what be, they. One guy said, I think it was on CNN. He said, "Look, before your eyes, you're seeing the result of car of of carbon emissions and global warming." Senator Amy Klobuchar, remember her? She was one of many Democrats who ran for president back in the last election. She uh, she's a Democrat from Minnesota. She was even suggesting she didn't actually say it, but nobody. I don't think anybody could miss what she was inferring, <clears throat> that voting for Democrats will help avoid future hurricanes. That was her message. But the experts, including Biden's administration, top hurricane guys, have pushed back on those claims. And they're saying, well, there really isn't enough evidence to tie the storm to climate change. They're saying that. And they're in the Biden administration. We can come back and talk about climate change at a later time, as Jamie Rome said. He's the acting director of the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, NOAA, the Hurricane Center. He was saying that just after the president was standing down there in Fort Myers saying, look, here's, boy, it's climate change. You guys driving around in your cars and flying in your airplanes and all that thing, having a barbecue in the backyard. You're the guys that are responsible for this carbon. We've got to get rid of oil and coal and all of the energy. A recent NOAA study concluded that it's premature, (laughs) that's their word, not mine, that it's premature to consider climate change causing storms. On Sunday, Michael Schellenberg, he's an energy policy expert, founder of the group Environmental Progress, he tweeted a series of NOAA um, analysis and they're showing, it's a whole series of them. It's very lengthy and certainly don't have time or even the interest in going into all of it on this program. But it shows the long-term trend in hurricane frequency. And they are saying that looking at the facts from science, that there may be actually a negative trend in landfalling hurricanes since 1900. This is not the Republican Party. This is NOAA. And there's a long-term trend on increasing hurricane intensity. There is no long-term trend on increasing hurricane intensity. So this is from 1900, and this is NOAA's own records. Scientists say that blaming Hurricane Ian on climate change was inappropriate and merely politicizing. Trying to blame global warming for Hurricane Ian not only defies scientific evidence, the clear weight of scientific evidence, but it is despicable politicization of a real tragedy that requires our attention and focuses on the people negatively affected. James Taylor said that yesterday. He's the president of a conservative think tank, Heartland Institute. He said these types of hurricanes existed before SUVs and coal-fired Power plants were invented. In fact, they were much more frequent and severe before coal power plants and SUVs existed. That's a look at the tragedy and how they're trying to use this tragedy to bend and warp and twist it into a further affirmation of a program that they believe in, that they can put money into the hands of so many of their friends through this environmental hoax that's going on in our country. Of course, the climate changes. Climate change is is like referring to blue sky. 
The climate is always changing. I'm not a scientist, for goodness sakes, but I can read. And you go back and you look at the records, even at Noah. And it it does not confirm what these people are spending trillions of dollars on. And it, the money is going out into very subjective and nebulous kinds of things like research and like, well, we know it, climate is changing. We know the world's going to burn up and because Al Gore said so and on and on and go. I mean, there's no end to it. And if you take just take a step back and take a deep breath and kind of disassociate yourself from the media and the left-wing politics, you take a look at this and you say, <laughs> I mean, what happened to sanity? This is insane what they're doing. And yet once in a while, a glimpse of truth escapes the the hands of the left and somebody among them in their own administration said no this you know guys just cool it just back off this isn't about climate change there's no evidence there's no scientific evidence that's just basically ignored by the press and certainly ignored by the left wing agenda that's going on and driving our country very, very interesting. There are other, many other incidents that have happened within the last 48 hours that I could talk to you about. But I want to talk to you about what the New York Times called a tiny elections company. The headline read, How a Tiny Elections Company Became a Conspiracy Theory Target. Everybody who thinks there might be a problem with integrity in the voting system in America has been, as I said earlier, thrown under the bus in many ways. On October 3rd, three days ago, the New York Times published the article that by reporter Stuart Thompson. He writes a lot about these kinds of things. But he anyway, he's a regular in the New York Times. The title, How a Tiny Elections Company Became a Conspiracy Theory Target. In that article, he claimed that the, quote, election deniers, that's anybody that thinks there might have been an integrity problem in the last election, Election deniers were targeting Connect. It's a Michigan, I'm, I'm quoting him, a Michigan election software firm with just 21 U.S. employees. And had developed a theory with threadbare evidence that the company had ties to the Chinese Communist Party and had given the Chinese government backdoor access to the personal data of around 2 million poll workers in, Amer- in the United States. He said in the October 3rd New York Times featured article, he said election deniers catapulted a Michigan firm with just 21 U.S. employees to the center of an unfounded voter fraud claim, exposing it to vicious threats. Thompson suggested that such beliefs were ridiculous and anyone suggesting there was validity in these claims was simply an election denier spinning conspiracy theories. However, on October 4th, day before yesterday, just one day later, the New York Times published another article from Thompson titled, follow me, election software executive arrested on suspicion of theft, in which he reported that Eugene Yu, the same Eugene Yu that had been misused and abused the day before in his article, the CEO of Connect had been arrested under suspicion of theft after the U.S. user data was found stored in not the United States, as agreed, but, of course, in China. That's exactly 
what the election deniers that Thompson had derided had been claiming. Los Angeles County District Attorney George Gaston, he's not a guy that follows the letter of the law, I'll tell you for sure. But he commented on the situation. He said, data breaches are an ongoing threat to our digital way of life. When we entrust a company to hold our confidential data, they must be willing and able to protect our personal identifying information from theft. Otherwise, we are all victims. Well, that's a bunch of words that doesn't mean anything. Of course, we don't want communist China with our information. I mean, they, they restate the obvious. They get up and they say, well, the sun is rising in the east. And, or the sun is setting in the West. I mean, as though like, okay, well, yeah, but they don't say anything. They just regurgitate words, and that's what this guy is doing. But a spokesman for the company, this tech company, he told the press any L.A. County poll worker data that Connect may have possessed was provided to it by L.A. County and therefore could not have been stolen because they gave it to us. But that's not the point. That's totally a misleading statement. Again, it's about nothing. Nobody says that they, whether they stole it or gave it, somebody used the word stolen, but they're saying, no, no, we didn't steal it. The point is that they agreed in contract not to store these two million names of U.S. people involved in the elections in China. They agreed to keep them in America and keep them secure. But, oh, no, this Eugene Yu immediately got them right over on servers in China where the Chinese Communist Party can access all of these people and their personal information. It's not right, but the truth becomes so clouded with these guys when they spew these words. It's just words. Kamala Harris is, a, is an expert at that. I mean, she just talks on and on and on and never says anything. I mean, really, follow her. It's amazing. L.A. County also said under its $2.9 million five-year contract with the with the uh, County, L.A. County, Connect was supposed to securely maintain the data and that only United States citizens and permanent residents have access to it. It goes on. Most of the American press is all hands on deck now. They're on alert because the New York Times blew it big time right in front of the whole world. I don't know how many people believe the New York Times, but a lot of people read it. I do. I don't believe most of what I read there, but I follow what they say. But this is an alert. The story has nothing more than misinformation from election deniers. We've got to cover this mistake. The Federalist actually turned on the light on this story yesterday. Their headline reads, New York Times pretends to debunk poll worker conspiracy. One day later, the election deniers were vindicated. They have so, they have kind of lumped anyone who thinks there might be a problem. I don't want there to be a problem with the voting. If Joe Biden wins an election, I I say we have a problem, but it's not the election process. But did 83 million Americans really vote for him or 88 million or whatever it was? I don't know. But there's so many things that we do know that have popped up where there, there's real flaws in our system. And if there isn't real flaws in our system, why did they attack Rudy Giuliani and the pillow guy and all of these people out there for even raising the questions? Dinesh D'Souza, that move, that kind of a documentary, that movie he put out a while back, man, it's 2,000 mules. I mean, it's, it's really revealing. 
and it causes you to to take a look at this and say, man, I'm I'm you know I'm not a election denier, but I'm not saying that Trump should be reinstalled. And I mean, I, I know a lot of people are saying that. I mean, I voted for him, but man, they begin. <laughs> They begin once referred to as America's newspaper of record. This is the Federalist. Newspaper of record, the regime-approved New York Times is back with its latest pie-in-the-face moment. And boy, is it a doozy, the Federalist says. On the first news story, October 3rd, they published, and they go through what I just told you in their article. The New York Times, on the first article, quoted you. He said, I cried. I cried when they arrested me. Well, uh, he probably did, but he allegedly wrote in an email, according to the Times, that other than the birth of my granddaughter, I hadn't cried since kindergarten, but I cried when they arrested me. His denial, denial was apparently enough for Thompson. He proceeded the next day to go into this other article that I just outlined to you. On Tuesday, just one day after writing his hit piece on election deniers, he was forced to report that you was arrested by Los Angeles County officials. So what is the takeaway of this? What do we take from this? Thompson and the New York Times' quick dismissal of Connect concerns is a perfect display of how the country's elitist leftist media are nothing more than a propaganda machine for the Democratic Party and for the left and for the agenda of the left. Despite there being legitimate problems with America's elections, such as the infiltration of private money into local election offices. I mean, that's been proven. They call it get out the vote, the Democrat vote. Mark Zuckerberg was in that up to his neck in the last election. The corporate press would rather stick their collective head in the sand, repeat their grotesque election denier smear, and call it a day. I mean, they don't want the truth to come out, but they want the other side of a story or the way they see it to influence America, and we're under this assault day in and day out. And that's why I I always say to anyone who's listening, man, just be careful with what you believe and what you ingest in the news. I don't think we should remove ourselves. I mean, I get notes from people who support us and things, and they say, man, I've, I've kind of cut off the mainstream news, and I just don't listen to any of it anymore. I understand that. We all get to that point. Well, I, you know, I can't take any more of this. When these people from little local news readers all the way up to, you know, the biggest news organizations in the world, with a straight face, they just tell you a lie. And oftentimes, they know that it's a lie. Perhaps sometimes they believe their own words. But often, they know it's a lie. But the end justifies the means in Marxism. And this is about cultural Marxism. And if they lie, it isn't wrong because they're relativistic and progressive and humanist in their views and worldview. So if they lie, it isn't wrong for them to do it because the end justifies the means. And if it takes lying to the public to get a Joe Biden or Kamala Harris or Elizabeth Warren or whomever elected to the highest office in the land, so be it. That is the noble end that we are committed to. That is in stark contrast to the Bible believer, the Christian, who knows that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And that's where we are today, and that is the big debate. That is the big push 
in our culture. Hey, thanks for being with me today. We'll continue this right here tomorrow. Thank you for your support. Box 399, Bellevue, 98009. See you tomorrow. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.